You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Clobo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Fay. Hello, everybody out there in Bigfoot and Beyond land, all Squatchketeers who have tuned in. This is Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. However, this week it is only Cliff. Bobo is on a field investigation. I guess uh, something about a fly fisherman was chased out of an area and goodness knows what's happening. I got a frantic phone call from Bobo the other night explaining his inavailability this week. So he is not going to be available for a podcast, so it is up to me. But I guess that's part of the reason we have two hosts on this podcast. Um, So in case one of us is out doing something in the woods, the other one can cover for them. So that's what we have going. So it's Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and occasionally Bobo when he's not in the field. And this week, you got me, you got Cliff. Um, I'm, I'm coming at you from the North American Bigfoot Center in Boring, Oregon. And today I have a witness that I met personally, probably this past summer or something like that. I don't remember. I could check my notes, you know. I only have so much RAM. I don't remember as much as I used to. So um, anyway, this guy, his name, his name is not John, but that's what we're going to be calling him today. John Doe, essentially. This gentleman came into the shop at some point in the last six months and shared his two Bigfoot encounters with me. Uh, of course, we put a pin on the wall at the location on our public map so everybody can check out where that is approximately um, because our map isn't detailed enough to give away any spots. It just kind of gives you a good idea where things are happening. Um, but this gentleman, John, came in and he shared the location, and I'm very familiar with the location. There's a ton of Bigfoot reports from very close by to this location. Um, and we're not going to tell you where that is either, unfortunately, because he lives there and he doesn't want, you know, our kind tinfoil hat wearing weirdos sniffing around in the woods or god forbid people with guns cruising around shooting at bipedal figures in the dark that could be he or his family it could yeah so we don't want that or nor his neighbors for that matter but anyway um this guy's very credible i spoke to him at length the first time he came in the shop and he visited a few weeks ago and i thought that this guy would be a great guest for bigfoot and beyond because his stories are so bone chilling in a couple of ways and you'll see what i'm talking about in a minute the location though um we're not going to tell you where that is but we will tell you it is in the foothills of mount hood um i think that's close enough i mean i wouldn't want you to know where i lived either so i wouldn't tell you where i live beyond that detail foothills of mount hood but it's not far away so this is an area i'm very familiar with and a ton of bigfoot stuff happens there and i was thankful to get two reports from less than what probably two miles away from each other i think or even closer but we'll get into that this is definitely a cluster and an area that we are keeping a close eye on here at the north american bigfoot center for more reports in the area so if you're listening and you have reports from the foothills of mount hood come on into the nabc and share it with us and we'll compare notes and see if it's the same area or not but in the meantime um, here is not John, but that's what we're going to call him. Hey, John, thank you very much for coming into the shop today and talking to me. Thanks, Cliff. I appreciate you having me in. It, um, it's, um, 
It is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is what it is. Close enough to me. Yeah. John, John, tell us a little bit about yourself. I've obviously not too much because we don't want people to know who you are and you know, you're a, you want to keep protect your identity. And of course, um, uh, keeping witnesses anonymity is far more important than the information they tend to share. Um, I have your name. That's all that matters. I know you're a real person. I'm looking at you right now because this is one of these rare uh, podcasts where we're doing it in person. Um, so anyway, uh, John, tell us maybe a little bit about yourself to give a little bit of background. Okay. Well, um, I was raised in the Pacific Northwest, uh, as we know, Eastern, uh, Multnomah County in the foothills of Mount Hood, like you said, currently I'm 36 and, uh, my first encounter happened, uh, 20 years ago, uh, the summer I was 15, um, my dad and I had had some trouble with locals, probably high school kids, I don't know, running their quads or their pickups up into the woods. Uh, I got to say that back in the 80s, there was some logging in the property next door, a very large parcel, I'm assuming 140 acres or something like that. They had logged and there were... Um, the logging roads were still there, kind of overgrown, and uh, it connected to our property, road system, trail system, all that, and went to a couple different highways. So over the years, even though the brush had come down, there had still been high schoolers that were out there trying to open the roads back up and going wheeling, uh, which wasn't a big deal except for the litter and it connected to our property and so they found those roads you know so we were trying to block off the access points and we'd had some trouble with them on the trails um them leaving litter behind making a mess and we had uh kind of secured the entrances to those logging roads and i remember i was at home alone we had two dogs two rottweilers they were uh tied up both of them and I had heard some sounds that the sound really carries well out there across a valley. It's, uh, I don't want to say too much because it'll give away the location, but there is a valley with two mountain peaks, um, small mountain peaks on either side. And I was going to say the sound travels really well across that valley. I was hearing some sounds out there, sounded like some trucks out there. And I said, okay, well, here we go. We got another problem out there. So I walked out there and I walked the trails and it was a good mile or better, probably over a mile, mile and a half or something, um, just as the crow flies across to the other end. I hiked the trail system, couldn't find anything. It was coming back and it was getting, it was May of uh, 2000. And I was coming back up one of those peaks um, down across the valley and up to our homestead. And I had made my way up through the woods, up to the top. And uh, it was an area that we, uh, like I say, covered all the time. It was a place that we, my sister and I hung out all the time. We were always in those woods. It was uh, definitely not a strange environment to us. I was used to being over there all the time. A lot of big, heavy timber, a lot of uh, ground cover, Salal, Oregon grape, uh, vine maple, I came up to the top of the of the first peak, started down through the valley, and there, uh, I'm sorry, not across the valley, down the hillside to the valley, which was heavy timber, like I say, a lot of really uh, 
heavy vine maple that was really twisted together and a lot of a lot of ground cover that you cannot cover easily a lot of old growth snags that are laying down you got to climb over them a lot of turned stumps it's really um it was back then a really op- a, a real challenge an obstacle course to get down through this and um it would take you uh once you went down the slope to the valley where they had logged i'm guessing probably distance wise probably a thousand or 1200 feet i would guess all the way down into the valley at least where i hiked to i came down through the woods climbed over all this old growth and through everything and um i got down into the clearing and it was about dusk i i don't know what time it in may i guess it'd probably be about four or five o'clock i'd guess maybe somewhere in there yeah maybe later who knows yeah but there was still quite a bit of light in the sky so i could see things clear i just come down through the woods and i heard a sound up top where i had just come from from the very top right directly behind me and i heard something stirring around up there in the brush and um i uh, stopped for a minute i could it was definitely audible i could i could i could hear something definitely moving through all the slough and the oregon grape up up top it was very noisy and i figured it was a an elk up there and then it started moving my direction and it started getting louder and i thought oh well, this is cool and so i stopped and i listened to it and it came down the hill towards me but off to my left i think it started going off to my left and it started picking up a lot of noise and i thought this is going to be a herd of elk and uh, i thought well this is cool i'm going to stand here and watch them and they're going to come running down through the trees and we were used to seeing herds of elk and deer run through the woods and a lot of noise you know and they just um we were used to seeing 10 12 in a herd you know and it uh it's just a cool thing to watch and so i was getting ready for that and then all of a sudden the noise went through the roof and i remember i was hearing incredible amount of noise and it was coming from one source i remember it wasn't over a vast area of brush it was one object and yeah, i so remember you, like you'd expect a herd of elk to have a like a sheet of noise right. coming at you but this is one individual thing one individual thing the sound of a herd of elk and it was incredible and it was noisier than a herd of elk i'd never heard so much racket in my life and it started and it picked up speed and this was where it really got me because instantly I remember my heart just sank and I thought, I don't know what this thing is because it charged, it just barreled down the mountain at me and it it wasn't going off to my left anymore. It was coming directly at me. And so I knew it wasn't by chance it knew where it was going. To um, you. It was coming straight to me. And that thing covered that distance. I mean, it came barreling down the mountain. I mean, just jumping over all that brush and, and blowing through it. And... I knew that right away I, I didn't know what I was dealing with. And uh, I knew I didn't have any elk anymore. Um, I didn't know what I had. But it came down through me, uh, down through the brush, straight at me. And I remember halfway down, it connected with a tree. And I don't know if it was a snag or a live tree or what, but I remember it made contact with that thing and it exploded into a million pieces it was like dropping a whole armful of kindling and you could hear all the fibers hitting against each other as they just went in every direction it so was you think it like a snapped a tree or rolled one over or what, I think what did it, you interpret the sound as it sounded like it came in contact with maybe a small tree and hit it blunt 
force and it just went everywhere. So just like this, this tree splintering yep. and exploding, just exploding, <laughs> yes. uh, like that, and all the fibers bouncing off that that huh. sound they have, um, and that was enough. I turned I turned around and ran back. There was a snag there, an old uh, buckskin that was laying on the ground, probably a five foot log, and I ran and dove behind that thing to try to get out of sight you're hiding yeah <laughs> yeah i was like i'm out of here this is not cool and i remember because the speed it was coming down the mountain i realized i didn't know what i was dealing with but um i realized i'd made something mad and here it was coming half for me and uh, that was the worst feeling ever <laughs> because it was exactly that. i think yeah i don't know what this thing is but here it comes and, uh, and you're pretty certain you knew about everything out there at that yeah, point. Yeah, right? You said cougars and yep. bear and everything else. I'd never experienced anything like this, um, this kind of an aggression. And uh, it covered that span, I'm guessing, just say more or less 1,000 feet, I would guess. The reason I say 1,000 feet is our driveway on the property is exactly 1,000 feet um, down below the house, down to the highway. So... I would say it's at least a thousand, probably more like 1,100 feet from the top down to where I was standing. And it covered that ground in about seven seconds. Wow. Okay. So it was really moving. Um, and that's why I realized I had nothing that I'd ever encountered before. And you still haven't seen this thing either. I hadn't point. seen it. Yeah. It was coming directly at me. And I said, oh, gal, this thing is going to pop out here in the clearing here in just a matter of seconds and were you uh, peeping over that log that you were hiding i behind? was okay. i was looking over the top and i had a walkie-talkie with me just um, one though just one pretty useless I, well just i one, had to be fair you know well i know it <laughs> It wasn't doing me any good i don't know why i took one but well, i understand I, I don't like listening to what i'm other people listening to what i say either so i you know well i had left one back at the house <laughs> okay on they're both on oh, okay that makes sense and i thought well my folks should be home at some point, my dad should be around. And I waited until this thing came down out of the clear, out of the brush there. There was some real heavy brush at the edge of the woods. And there was a great big stack of limbs, of rocker limbs and brush from when they'd logged the summer before. And the stack of limbs was probably, it was a real big, tall haystacks. Um, I'm guessing probably 15, 20 feet tall and quite wide. Um, probably that wide a typical haystack um yeah but it's like a slash pile yep. left over after slash logging. pile where yeah. the loader sat and they lo loaded the trucks um and it came i remember it uh this thing came blowing down out of the woods and it entered the clearing on the other side directly behind that slash pile so you still couldn't see it i couldn't see it and i thought it's going to come running around one side or the other and as soon as it made its way into the clearing all the noise stopped it went completely dead silent. There was not one sound. And it never made one more step. And there was no birds in the air. There was no squirrels. There was no typical noise in the woods that you would hear. Then dark was encroaching. And dark was approaching. <laughs> yeah. And it was... And I thought, okay, this is just spooky. I thought, this thing is going to make a step. It's going to come one way or the other. But I stayed put. And it stayed put. And I couldn't see it. It stayed out of sight. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. If 2020 was anything for you like it was for me, it would suck. I mean, I lost so much income just scratching to get by. And I discovered Mint Mobile. 
For just 15 bucks a month, you get unlimited text, talk, and data. It's insane. You just need a wireless hookup and you're good to go. For 15 bucks a month, that's just an insanely good deal. You got to be insane not to do it. For people looking for extra savings this year, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes significant savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their 7-day money-back guarantee. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. It's a no-brainer. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash Bigfoot. That's mintmobile.com slash Bigfoot. Cut your wireless bill to $15 a month at mintmobile.com slash Bigfoot. And so I'm watching the sky. My all my senses are on their peak, and I'm looking around, and I'm waiting for something to happen. Nothing happened. So I got on my my radio, and I was whispering on there. I was trying to get a hold of my dad. I hoped he was home by then. And uh, nothing, nothing. And I tried several times, and I said, "Okay, I'm out here I'm on my own with this thing." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I I waited a few more minutes, and there was no sound. And I thought, "Okay, well, I am getting out of here." And, and how I, long do you think it elapsed? Like, what was that standoff, like that time period there? See your best like, guess, because I'm sure it seemed like an oh, eternity. It seemed like forever. But it was more than probably, I'll bet it was probably there a good 10 minutes. 10 minutes. I'll bet I waited that long. Might I, as well be an eternity. Yeah. It was an eternity. Oh, it seemed like forever. And I thought, nope, I'm waiting for that thing to make the first move. I thought, maybe it's going to go away from me. I thought there's no it's come this far. It probably isn't going to turn around and walk back, but I thought I, I want to see what I'm looking at. I want to know what I'm dealing with here. Yeah. I waited for it to come on one side of that pile or the other and nothing. And I was watching the sky and it was starting to get, the light was starting to go a little bit. And I said, okay, well I can't stay here much longer. I waited. And at that time of night, you start losing your light pretty quickly. But, um, I knew I still had some time, but I had quite a bit of ground to cover. I still had, half a mile, I would guess. And I knew I had to quite a bit of brush to go through and everything. And so I didn't want to be out there in the black with this thing. So I turned and I got up and I looked directly below me was a skitter trail, skitter road that took off down into the very bottom of the valley. It was still probably a good four or 500 feet away from me, uh, the bottom, the very bottom there. And there was an old well down there uh, from settlers way back in the day. And it was very clear. Like I said, they had just logged the summer before, so the road was very clear. There was a lot of old uh, bleached-out rocker limbs on it. And I made some quick glances as to where I was going. I didn't want to step on anything that was going to snap or pop or give my uh, location away any more than I had to. I kept my eyes on that pile, and I got it very slowly and quietly and worked my way over to the skitter trail, and I walked down it, and stepping only on the bare dirt and made sure I didn't step on anything that was going to pop or snap, make any noise. And um, I continued to walk down that trail and keeping my eyes behind me. I never saw anything come um, out in the open. 
and I got down that trail, I would have to say probably three, 400 feet down that road. And I was feeling pretty good by myself. I said, okay, I've, I've left this thing behind. It's staying there. That's good. The more distance I can put between myself and that thing, the better. And I was starting to feel pretty good about myself. I said, okay, good. I'm making some distance and, and getting along here. And on both sides of the skitter road, there was a lot of heavy brush, a lot of fine maple, a lot of dried out leaves and limbs and everything, you know, typical, um, you know, small hemlocks and lots of, of noisy stuff. And you could never pass through without making any, without making a lot of noise, you know. I get down to the bottom of this skitter road and there's a tease into another one going left and right. And there was a great big old growth cedar they had cut down. And the stump, it was probably, I want to say, five feet across, um, four to five feet across at this, the butt. And, uh, but it was tall. It was probably, I'm, I'm 6'4", and back during that summer, I want to make a note of this, uh, back during that summer, I was probably 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, yeah, you are a young man at the time. Yep. Yeah, about what, 15, you said? Yep, 15, yep. almost 16. Um, so I want to keep a note of that. And the stump was about my height. Um, five and a half foot tall, I would guess the top of that stump was. Um, I get around behind that stump. I'm just turning left and going to work my way over uh, across to our property line and work our way my way back up the trail system to the woods. And uh, I turned left, got right in behind that stump, and something came barreling out of the brush up behind me, up that skitter road off in the bushes. Something had been over there, and it came jumping out of the bushes and landed on the that road, that hard packed dirt road. Did you see this or did you hear I it? I heard this. You heard this, but this, you knew what you were hearing. Oh, this thing it was like you were uh jumping off the side of a, a rock cliff into water or something. You this thing had all its weight and force and it hit the ground and it had been stalking you, it, like following you silently alongside without you even knowing for that, exactly. what, 400 feet or something like exactly. that. Exactly. This was what was got really weird. And so you went behind the stump, yep. thus putting you out of sight. Yep. And that's when it made a much larger, yep. more obvious move. Yep. Okay. It landed on the road and I can't tell you how far up the road. I can't imagine it being more than about 50 feet away. By the sound. By the sound mm -hmm. and by the strides. It took three to four strides on two feet toward mm -hmm. me. And on the road, you hear the, the, like gravel crackling or something? Oh, or? You, it sounded like Jurassic Park. Huh. When the guy has the cup of water, yep. and they hear the boom, boom. Yeah, yeah. That. And you're the goat tied up in the pit. Exactly, right? And that's exactly, it was very heavy. You could hear the weight of this thing hit the ground when it did. It wasn't a multitude of feet like a bear would walk. It was... Uh, one step after another and it took about four strides and i got down behind that stump on the ground and i was hearing this thing coming it sounded like i was out there with andrew the giant i remember just thinking i'm dead this thing is so close to me i said i don't have a chance and i reached down and i got a rocker limb probably a three foot rocker limb it was probably a three four inch diameter or something and i said okay i got one swing at this thing <laughs> i'm gonna hit it as hard as i can right in the face whatever it is and I said, it's either coming around this stump or it's coming up over the top. And it was, again, it was coming directly in line with me. It wasn't trying to go make a wide sweep around this stump. It was coming right at me. So I said, okay, this thing is going to come over the top of this stump. I said, I'm going to hit it full force. 
and I got one swing at it, and, and that's going to be the end of me. <laughs> and I said, my adrenaline was going through the roof. I said, oh, man. Yeah, spoiler, he didn't die. He's sitting right here, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, okay, and I waited. And it, like I say, it took about three steps. Pretty good strides, I would say. It, I would have to say it covered some ground in those steps. And that put him right on the other side of the stump. That here. put him directly on that side of that stump and i could hear it i said oh man he's right here whatever this is it's right here and i waited and one more time that thing stood there and didn't make any more noise and and i just thought this is this is agony this is going to go on forever and i waited and i waited and I, i just expected it i knew my life was over i said it is over whatever this thing is it's huge and it's going to take me out and I said, I got one crack at this, and I I was waiting. I was crouched down, and, um, boy, that's a weird feeling when you know when you think you're done. Mm-hmm. When you think you're done, you're signing out. I, I just said, I, I got five seconds, <laughs> and I hope it doesn't take forever. That's not killing me. And, um, and then nothing, 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 nothing. And it just stayed there. I stayed put. It did, too. And I was watching the sky, and it was starting to get more. The dusk was coming, and I said, I got to get out of here. I do not want to be down here in the black. And I said, okay, I'm not going to look. I'm going to stand up. I'm not going to make eye contact with this thing. It's right there, and it knows where I'm at. There's no trying to hide from this thing anymore. I said, I'm going to turn around and put my back to it, and I'm going to walk directly away from it. And, And I did that. Instead of going left up that skitter road up into our property i decided to cut straight across the rest of the valley past that well and on up into the woods up to our driveway that was a more direct route to your house is that why it was a direct route to our gravel road okay so if you would have gone left you would have been on your property sooner but that wouldn't have brought you home sooner right okay i want to understand that okay yep it would have put us me on the property but i would have had to have hiked up the trail system uh, we got some tractor roads up in there, and they zigzag all over through the woods. And it would have put me in a lot darker area uh, with, with bigger timber, and I did not want – I wanted as much light as I could have with mm-hmm. that thing. I wanted to be able to see as much as possible. So, yes, that was a direct – as most direct route as I could to a main road, and then from there go to the house. And – I remember I just thought, okay, I, I got to walk. I cannot run from this thing. I think I'm thinking this is a bear, I guess. Cause that's the only thing that's big enough. That would, yeah. You were, you yeah, well, what were you thinking at that point? I mean, I know you, th- you, you, what, you, th- you thought you were going to die. You didn't yep. know what you were dealing with, I didn't but know. you, so a bear was your best guess. Bear was point. my best guess. I thought, okay, it's big. It's really heavy. It's stalking me. It's way too heavy for any cougar. Elk would never do this deer. Anything I had encountered in the woods would never do this. I thought, bear is my only option. What about a person? Any thoughts of it being a person at the time? It, well, I knew a person could never cover the ground it did. I could not certainly never run that fast, and I knew the woods. Hmm. I was very agile in the woods, my sister both, and I both. Um, and I knew nothing could cover that ground coming down that hill through the woods with all that brush, fighting the the uh, vine maple and the logs stuff you got had to climb up over logs that were five six feet tall you had to climb over um i knew no one there was no athlete that could make that um and so uh, i i know bears can run really fast downhill i thought that's my best bet 
Um, so that's what I was sticking with. I thought this is a really big bear. It didn't act like a bear. Sneaking around the woods, being totally quiet, because bears are noisy in the woods. They clomp around, and there's all kinds of noise in the brush. They don't care about their how much racket they're making. So it was very weird. I didn't know what I was dealing with, but I my only guess was I had a really big bear that was pissed at me. And at this point, how far did you have to make it across uh, the valley to get to the house? Oh, or I was to the road. I should say I was probably a good. I know you closed some distance from your original location, yeah. but I was at this point. Yeah, it's hard to say. I was a good a uh, couple thousand feet from the house, I'd guess, like a quarter mile or something like that, maybe. Yeah, yeah. okay, probably. Still and, plenty far as it's getting dark and, and this big thing is yep. stalking you. I, and I just thought, yeah, this is not good. I said, this is not a good situation. This is yeah, just... swim across this pool. There's only nine sharks in it. Right? Exactly right. How it's fast can like you go? how close the other side of the pool is. You can make that. <laughs> <laughs> just sharks. I know, right? How good a swimmer are you? Um, that's a good time to walk on water. Um, and so I turned, put my back to it, and I just walked directly in a line down across the valley and I had some good distance to go, and I knew I, I had to do that. Um, I thought, I'm going to do my best to not show any fear. And I, I'm i not making eye contact, but I'm not looking at it. I said, if I look at it, it'll freak me out in the first place. And in the second place, it'll know I'm scared, and it'll just, that'll be the end of me. So uh, that's what my dad had always taught me. You just don't, you can't run from uh, if you are dealing with a bear, you can't run from it. Um, you got to stay calm. You got to walk and um, try to be as calm as possible. And so I said, okay, that's my best bet. So I turned and walked down across that valley through the brush and everything. And there was a whole bunch of rocker limbs, dead uh, fur uh, limbs that were bleached out. They lose their bark and they're in the sun it had been a, a year ago when they logged. And so the limbs had sat out there all this time and lost all their bark, and they were white like whale bones uh, down across the valley here. So I got down across there and up into the woods. I hiked up through the woods up to the road, and I had put quite a bit of distance between me and it. And you, you didn't hear it moving behind you or anything nope. at that point? Never heard a thing after? No. Okay. And I tried to still just try to watch where I was a step, and I just... I know it It could hear me fine, but I felt better if I didn't make a whole lot of noise. Mm-hmm. And uh, I put some distance between me. I put, it's hard to say, you know, uh, a, a good distance, um, 500 feet to 1,000 feet probably behind me, I would guess. And I thought, okay, this is good. I'm still alive. So I got down across the valley, up through the woods quite a distance, up to our driveway. I thought, okay. I'm going to look back now. I said, I'm, I've made it this far. I don't hear anything behind me. I said, this is good. I've, uh, I've made it this far. I thought, maybe it has left me alone. And I turned and looked. And I looked back across that large section of a couple hundred feet, probably, where all those white limbs were. And I could see this big black thing coming at me. And it was just, I didn't spend a lot of time looking at it. It was on all fours. It wasn't on two feet, um, but it was a big square object coming at me. A big square shadow sort of thing crawling yep. through the, um, the the clear cut with yep. all the bleached limbs. So yep. it con- contrasted really nicely yep. against the white background. It there. was solid black. And big. And big. And a very square. And it didn't look... Square, huh? Very square, like... 
um, blocky in a very way. Very broad shoulders, very uh, different. And I thought, oh, crap, this thing's still coming at me. But it was a long ways away from me. I had a lot of distance between me and it. And I said, I think if it stays, and it was moving pretty slow. And kind of creeping, or it, was it just kind of cruising at a slow pace, or what? What would you describe its movement as? It's hard to say because I had a lot of distance between it, me and it, but it was—I don't know how to say it. It was uh, moving. It was taking strides, but it wasn't going very fast. It wasn't in a hurry. Did it move like a bear? Because it was on all fours, and you must have thought that at the time, right? I did, and it was far enough away, and I thought, okay, well, it's a bear. It's a really big bear. And I was under the impression at that time of my life, I hadn't dealt with a lot of bears, and I was under the impression that bears could get that big. Until later years, I started researching our local black bears, and they don't get that big. (laughs) This was a discovery I made. I'm thankful I didn't know this back then. Um, But I was just fine figured it was a really big bear so it was coming at me on all fours and i said okay it's still coming at me i gotta go and i can't watch this any longer and i turned and i was in a hurry then but i was still walking and i said i i was my adrenaline was going and i remember just thinking i was just telling myself really sternly in my head i said i cannot run from this thing i absolutely cannot run it's still coming at me and you're you're within you said you're at the top of the driveway so you're within a thousand feet of your house now yep i was almost back in it was the lower part of the driveway so i still had a good 800 feet to go i would assume Mm -hmm. on the driveway yeah up to the top where it crests and then we have a pasture there and goes up to the house and to the crest of the hill there, I had probably 800 feet, I would assume. So you're still quite a distance away, but quite almost to safety. But it gets steeper. The road gets steep. The ground gets real steep. So I had, I, I knew I had a challenge. I couldn't easily, I couldn't run. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't run, and I couldn't show a lot of fear and emotion and everything. Uh, I knew I had to stay calm, but I thought, I got a lot of distance between me and this thing. I was 800 feet to the top, and I was probably 800 feet behind me. And I said, oh, I get, I'm probably pretty good on this. Even though I'm going uphill and it will be able to cover ground faster. I thought, well, I'm probably a little bit safer, but I'm going to keep booking. And I was at a, a very brisk walk. I was not calmly walking. I was like at a power walk, but I did not want to break stride into a run. And I remember I was in a full sweat and uh, I was freaked out and I was wanting to be out of there as quickly as possible. And... I so I turned and I went up the driveway and I got about 300 feet up the road and I covered it very quickly. I turned around and it had covered that ground amazingly quick um, through the woods and I don't know if it changed direction. I don't know if it had instead of following me up to the road and then had traveled up the road behind me. I don't know if it had cut across the gap. Or what it did. Um, I turned around and it was on the driveway with me. And it was, I want to say, probably 30 to 40 feet behind me. That is nothing. It was nothing. And it and it, it freaked me out that it had covered that much ground so quickly. Yeah, you were power walking uh, and it covered, you said about the same distance behind you as you had to go. Yep. It covered twice the distance yep. that you did. 
yeah. in that same amount of time. Now, now it's 30, 40 feet. I know the light is failing, but you must be able to see it better now. It was you know, standing in an area in a, where I was and it was, it was a, an area where the trees overhead um, weren't very thick and let a, a lot of light in. And I remember l- looking back at this and it didn't look like a bear. Was it, it still on all fours? It was on all fours. It looked like a gorilla. Uh, as far as I could tell, it had very broad shoulders. When it walked, it didn't swing back and forth, have the the looseness of a bear hide. It was very solid. It looked, the way it walked or the way it was on all fours, it looked like a uh, quarterback, um, a football player. And it had really big shoulders and they were very square and it its shoulders moved very it had very powerful shoulders and they moved it looked like a gorilla you would see on a um national geographic or something sure it was very square and the head was very blunt i did not see a snout i did not see a tan snout for a bear the whole thing was black and it was very wide it was shoulder to shoulder i would have to say the thing was four feet i would guess it was probably if it had come up beside me it wouldn't have been much shorter than me um on standing all, oh, on all fours on all fours and at the time you're five and a half feet tall that's about five and a half so that yours would five feet be a good guess i'd guess four and a half five foot tall for this the height on all fours mind you at so standing the, up on two legs it would have just towered above you oh, yeah. okay uh, interesting it'd been big it and that would have been right at the top of its back on the back of its neck mm-hmm. on all fours when it was on all fours did like you know how um like bears for example kind of are, are like bigger in the butt so to speak like you know they're like kind of pear-shaped towards it. right like how would you describe the body shape being on all fours i'm curious about the posture of it, it was, being on all fours it was um like i say like a gorilla huge massive shoulders smaller butt now a gorilla when it's walking on all fours the shoulder is much higher than the rear end Mm-hmm. Um, but the bears would almost be opposite of that in a right. way. Where was it in that sort of gradient? Uh, the tail was lower than the shoulders. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, I didn't stop and really research. It I imagine high, not, but, but the, the I, best of your memory. Yeah, the best of my memory is the head was in line. The vertebrae and the head were all in line. I would say that the rear on this thing was at the same height of the shoulders or lower. Okay. Um, so kind of flattish across, maybe maybe yep. almost horizontal or a little less. And it was at an angle. It was going uphill, uh-huh. the same as I was. It was a little bit of a pretty uh, flatter area right there. It had a little bit of an incline, but I would say it was fairly flat. But yeah, the tail end of this thing was down lower than the shoulders. Okay, here's another question that you may or may not know. And again, I don't know is a great answer mm-hmm. because it's obviously yeah. the truth. Right. You know, and uh, but... And you can't possibly not only remember everything, but mm-hmm. notice everything in such right. a harrowing circumstance. Right. Um, when when you saw this thing, were the front paws, shall we say, the hands, um, was it walking on an open hand or was it maybe walking on the knuckles? Or did was, you notice that even? From what I would say is it looked like it had its knuckles, its hands curled into a fist and was walking on its fist. Okay, that's very interesting. That's what Thank I would you. say. Um, and then the face looked very flat to me. It just was, and it was solid black. This thing couldn't have gotten any blacker. There was no light skin on this, on the face of this 
You're just basically looking at a shadow when the failing light. Solid black. That's creepy. It was. I couldn't see any eyes. I couldn't see anything. Now I didn't want to get close enough for me to see its eyes, but (laughs) you were close enough to see its eyes. I was close enough. Thirty to forty feet away. (laughs) And I, I mean that, that put me over the edge. I said, "Oh man, this thing is so close to me." And it was covering, even on all fours. Um, I watched it. I just glanced back at it and I, and I looked at it and I watched take a stride. I gave it about one stride and it had, I can't imagine it, it covering any less than about four feet to a stride of its arms. I would say. Um, and that's all I gave it. And I said, I turned and boy, that was the hardest part I did. I wanted to run so bad. I remember that. And it was freak. I was freaked out. I was freaked out. Like there's there's no shame in that. Oh, and it was almost dark. And I said, Oh, I got so much. And I got to go through it. The rest of the woods now gets darker from here to the house. And I said, Oh, this is, this is not good. I don't like this at all. And I got about, I turned and I started in, in the hill right then gets steeper. The steepest part of that, uh, area. And, um, so I turned, around and i never looked back again but i got about 10 feet up the road and our roddies just started going ballistic and um i like i'd never heard them before they just started coming unglued and uh barking and snarling and just carrying on we had both pretty good sized dogs um 100 uh 100 125 pound dogs and um they just went ballistic, and I said, oh, this is good. This is probably going to help me, maybe. <laughs> and I didn't know, and, and I just kept riding walking. I think at that point, uh, there's an old road that takes off into the woods when they logged our place back in the 50s, um, and it veers off into the woods. And I think at that point that that thing turned, when it heard the dogs, I think it turned and went right down that trail off into the woods again. I think it might have left me at that point. Uh, and I turned, I kept right on walking. I never looked back and I had so much of my own chatter going on in my head. I was pretty much yelling at myself in my head to not run. <laughs> and I walked up to the house and everybody asked me, why didn't I just go and get right between those dogs? And I don't know. I had a one track mind and I walked up to the top, past the house and went all the way out to the barn, had to go through some more woods. I got inside that barn, slammed the door and I didn't come out for an hour. <laughs> I turned all the lights on. I could, and I, and eventually my folks came home and I said, well, I mean, I got to go through the woods back to the house. And it took me a long time to get enough courage to, to go back out in those woods. I mean, and it didn't stop me from going into the woods after this. It freaked me out. I remember for a couple weeks, Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Did you tell your parents when they came home? I didn't. Um, Did they notice you might have been a little pale? Freaked out. I know it. Well, I think I'd calmed down a good bit. I don't remember telling my dad about it until um, about a month later. And, um, and I just assumed it was a bear and, and like I say, it didn't keep me out of the woods. Um, that was, I was very comfortable. We were always very comfortable in the woods. I remember for about two weeks, I was very freaked out about meeting that thing in the woods again. Um, and I didn't go very far. 
And uh, but after that, I slowly got used to it again, and I was out there again. It's always been a, a something that's an encounter of mine that's um, been in my mind, and I had never encountered anything like that again. Uh, like I was going to say, a few years ago, probably three years ago, I was um, researching uh, bears. I had seen a uh, a stuffed one, and uh, by stuffed, I mean uh, something that uh, somebody uh, a bear somebody shot, and they'd had it uh, yeah, taxidermy, take, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. taking it to a taxidermist. Sure, and it was a full grown male black bear, and it was tiny, and I thought. This must be a baby. I mean, it was tiny. I think it was up on its hind legs, and it wasn't more than about uh, five feet at max, five and a half feet or something. And I thought, this thing is an itty-bitty little bear compared to that thing that chased me out of the woods. And so I started researching bears, and it, they, I realized that they didn't get as big as that thing I had seen, or nor did they look like it. The shape wasn't the same. Nothing was the same. And so I had started researching Bigfoot, and um, out of my own curiosity, just kind of wondering what their habits were and their aggressiveness and behaviors and that kind of thing. And um, I will just say that I've gone back to that same area in the woods many times afterwards. And it hasn't stopped me from going out there. And I've certainly looked forward to seeing one again, hopefully not under those aggressive conditions, whatever mm-hmm. it was that set it off. I don't know if it didn't recognize my scent thought I was a uh, trespasser in that area and was there to chase me out. And then once it got close enough, maybe it could send me, sense me. I don't know. I don't know what caused that. And I've wanted to, I've constantly still today uh, been trying to find out what that was about, why that aggression. But um, about a year ago, I was uh, exactly a year ago in January last year, I was out in that same area going for a hike and uh, just enjoying the snow. There was some snow on the ground. I remember about six, eight inches. I was up on that same part of the mountain. Coming down just a little bit different. Uh, a couple, I would say, maybe 300 feet away on a different slope of that mountain. Coming down and just meandering through the woods. And I was coming down through some heavy, uh, now, there were seedlings back in the day when when I was out there with my first encounter, but 20 now, years ago, right? Yeah, 20 years ago. Now it's their fur and a lot of hemlock seedlings that are now 20 feet tall. And um, a lot of heavy brush, you know, and I'm moving limbs out of my way and stuff. And I come out, uh, I had just broken down through the big timber down into this uh, the 20-year-old growth. And it was dusk. And about the same time of night that I had my first encounter, and... I um, moved back some limbs, and I come down into a small area, and there was a, uh, it looked like the ball root of an overturned stump, and the ground was pretty smooth. It was a hump, and the hump wasn't more than about, I'm going to guess, three to four feet tall, I would say, and uh, kind of a big oval hump from an old stump that was rotten, dirt on top of it and everything. And I noticed directly behind it, and it wasn't very far from me. Uh, this was probably 20 feet from me at best. And I noticed that behind it was a very black shadow, and it was hidden in the trees. There were some trees over the top of it and around. It was pretty thick around me, but I could see that distance. And I just noticed 
that something that was, I mean, the shadows are dark, but something was standing directly behind that root ball. And it looked very much, if you were to take the uh, statue you have in the back room, yeah, blot out all the brown fur and the eyes and all that and just make a silhouette of that. Mm-hmm. It's what it looked like. It was a, had a very large head. It looked like it was mounted into the shoulders and the shoulders tapered down and outward in about three to four feet. And being, I was, it was downhill for me, us a little bit, uh, not very much of a decline there. And I am 6'4", almost 6'5", now. And I was pretty much eye to eye with it. So it had to have been a little taller than me, being mm-hmm. downhill for me. And I thought, I just stopped and looked at it, and I thought, what am I looking at? And I couldn't see any face again. Now, it was dusk, I will say, and it was kind of in the um, low light levels under the uh, the 20-footers in the trees. So there was some shadows in there, and there was a lot of sunlight. Um, now, the snow was on the ground. The wind was blowing, and a lot of snow was falling out of the trees and stuff. So there was noise. Um, it wasn't quiet like that summer had been uh, my first encounter. But I took it as a shadow, I said, okay, well, I'm going to walk over to this thing and see what it is. And uh, I hadn't, hadn't hardly moved toward it. And suddenly that object behind that stump turned. Yeah, suddenly it went from a shadow to it was alive. <laughs> and it turned to its, uh, I assume it was facing me. It turned to its left immediately. And it had a profile of the head tapered back into the shoulders. It had pretty good shoulders. They rounded backwards and then down the back. You could see the pectorals of a chest. It was a male, I have a feeling. Tapered off at slant and then down. And it was, it, I would have to say it had been about the same size as your statue back there. Which is seven and a half feet tall and about three feet wide, probably, I'm guessing. Maybe a little more. Yep. Right. Yep. And it was probably wet. I couldn't see uh, any fuzzy hair standing up. It looked like it had been out there in the water and gotten pretty good soaked, so nothing was standing up. Uh, It turned with amazing agility and ran. I couldn't see its legs. It just was behind that dirt mound, and it just disappeared to my right because I was facing it. And there was a tree there just out of sight, uh, a tree trunk, it ran, I assume it ran around that tree. I, I don't know why, but I guess it couldn't get away from me without having to go to its left around the trunk of that tree and then ran straight away from me. And I got to see it run through the woods for probably 50 feet and as it ran directly away from me and off to my left slightly. And its arms, it had long arms and they were swinging back and forth as it ran were they extended or were like pumping like a like a jogger might you know like bending at the elbow or long and extended long and extended and its hands were open hands were open open okay. and it was flinging those hands back and forth as it ran very quickly and the arms were coming completely out horizontal in front of it behind it and and in front of it uh-huh. and they were going back and forth and the the palms were open and it turned and it ran and it just disappeared. I just watched it get smaller and smaller as it ran off into the woods. 
And like I say, I can't comment on sound because there were other wood sounds, mm -hmm. forest sounds there. But the speed it ran, um, I'm thankful it ran away from me. Had it run toward me, I would have been uh, not so calm. But uh, it, and I didn't care. It, I watched it disappear into the woods, and I didn't think a thing of it. I just said, oh, well, okay. And uh, I continued on my hike and went about my way. And um, and it it turned it moved so fast that I was wondering what I was looking at. I thought, am I really seeing this? I've never seen anything run so fast. And it was gone so quickly. I thought, if I had a rifle with me, a loaded rifle with one in the chamber, and that thing had decided to run at me, I thought I even at 20 feet, I thought there is a very small chance that I would ever be able to get my barrel up at that thing and take a shot. Uh, it moved so quick. You never get a second shot. If you got a first shot at that thing, you'd never get a second shot um, if it didn't kill it the first time. So that is how quick they move. I didn't realize they moved that fast. And I don't know what age group that thing was, but it, uh, that Bigfoot was, but it, um, it wasn't there to harm me. It was just observing me. And um, like I say, I uh, am more interested in their habitat, and I'm, I'm definitely not scared of them. I look forward to more encounters that I might have with them. We've had two encounters in 20 years within a couple hundred yards of one another. You obviously live in a place that they at least pass through occasionally, which brings to mind a question. You mentioned after your first report, after your first encounter with these things when you were 15, you didn't mention it to your dad for about a month. When you did mention it to your dad, did you describe it as a bear or something weirder? And what was his reaction? Um, dad is a really hard person to convince of anything. He doesn't believe in Bigfoot. Well, I should say he doesn't generally believe the sightings of Bigfoot are Bigfoot. He, everybody, he thinks that they're bears people see. And um, he doesn't believe in UFOs or any of that stuff. And so to tell that my dad that I had an encounter with something huge in the woods, he's probably not going to believe it. But oh, he believed you had you saw something. He just believed I saw be a, something. Yeah, and he wrote it off as a bear. A bear. I told him about after a month, and um, he just said, "Yeah, that's a bear." That's and you thought it was a bear, a bear at the time. And anyway. I thought it was a bear. I yeah. thought it was a really big bear, but <laughs> Kodiak bear or something. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, and that's what it was, and it was left at that for all these years. Has there been other activity on your property, um, either that you're aware of being Bigfoot or now looking back, you kind of wonder, well, gosh, maybe that was a Bigfoot. Well, I've spoken with my sister um, who lives in Vermont now, and she comes back on occasions and uh, sees the family. And I've spoken to her about this. And we agree that, you know, after having come to your museum here right away the first time I came and heard all the sounds that you have recorded in the back. I've heard the whoops, those uh, call, the, the three whoops in a row. I've heard that we've heard those and the tree knocks uh, throughout our lives in the woods and uh, more, more of the tree knocks than anything. We've heard, I can't tell you how many of those in the woods when we were kids. And we always just thought it was some great big, some woodpecker that was out there that was that the sound was echoing off the walls of, of the mountains you know because that sound carries good out there but and just strange forest noise we couldn't explain we didn't know what they were 
Um, but looking back, I know exactly what they were now that I've heard yours. The whoops, I heard those out in the woods once when I was out dirt biking when I was younger. Same era, I was late teens. I got way up in the woods on a dead end road and a logging road way up there and I was out messing around the woods and I heard those and they were pretty close to me and it freaked me out and I got out of there. I remember that. They were coming down uh, through the woods from uphill some some distance up through the, uh, the woods. There was a creek run down through the valley through there between two slopes and it was heavily timbered and I heard that three in succession and they were pretty loud and I just got a feeling like I wasn't supposed to be there. And uh, I remember I jumped on my dirt bike and I was gone. There's something clearly about that your particular area they like. And uh, I'm, I would be confident in saying that um, they're there a lot more than you realize. Uh, yep. Probably always have been yep. and probably, hopefully, always will be. Yeah, exactly. And I hope to, uh, my folks don't feel the same, but uh, I hope to uh, experience more encounters. <laughs> They've been up there all this time, never seen anything, and I say, I'm hopeful. I say, hey, we'll see one again. And are, they don't like that. <laughs> they, they're still alive then? <laughs> they're still alive. And uh, did you tell them about your encounter last January? Uh-huh. And they, yep. they, have any, they have any comments about that? Oh, they, after all this time, I think it's just kind of known to all of us that they exist. Uh -huh. They're out there. And... Um, from what I've found in the other sources, they don't, um, they're not there to harm you. You're in their territory and, mm -hmm. um, they watch you out of curiosity and, um, I've have no reason to feel that they're out there to harm us. And, uh, and that's why I'm curious to see another one. Well, if your parents are still around and they're up for it, you give me a hauler, bring them in. I'll let them into the back for free and they can peruse the whole place and check it out and see if the evidence that we have back there is enough to open their mind a little bit further. Okay. Yep. Sounds good, Cliff. All right, cool. Well, I think with that, we'll just go ahead and uh, close this one down. I'm sorry Bubba wasn't here. Yet you guys are out there uh, listening to just me. I'm sorry to subject the audience to Jess Cliff um, without the dilution of Bobo, whatever that offers. Um, but thank you so much for listening to Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and usually Bobo. Um, and uh, I don't know, subscribe and hit things and push buttons and do everything you can to help us, whatever those things are. I'm not very socially media fluent, so you know what those things are. But most importantly, tell your friends, um, be kind to one another, and above all, keep it squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond. That's an N in the middle. And tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 